The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. Negotiate Anything is produced by the American Negotiation Institute, and with over 3 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made this the number one negotiation podcast in the world. I'm Kwame Christian, and I'm the director of the American Negotiation Institute. We're growing, and I want to introduce you to our new team members and new trainers. This will help to give you new, diverse perspectives on negotiation and conflict resolution. That's why I'm excited to let you know that Shane Martin, our head of sales and partnerships, is going to serve as co-host of the show from time to time. We are passionate about providing you with the best content that will help to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, before we get into the episode, I want to remind you that our team conducts negotiation and conflict resolution trainings in the United States and abroad. Our trainings will give you the practical skills you need to resolve conflict, negotiate, lead, and persuade with confidence. Click the link in the description below to learn how we can help to make your difficult conversations easier. And now, let's get to the show. Simon, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Kwame. Yeah, good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it is a pleasure to have you, my friend. So how about you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Um, so profit and operations advisor is kind of the only real way to summarize it. Uh, originally from the UK, I live in uh, in Austin, Texas. Uh, married a Texan, I'm out in California and uh, yeah, loving uh, loving the heat in, in the central US. Also the author of, of a book called Negotiation Hacks, which is my first venture into the the author world um and uh, yeah excited to be here man yeah we are excited to have you and uh i know we've been in, we've been talking about this for a bit so it's it's really great to have you on the show and um everybody make sure you check out the book uh, negotiation hacks we're going to put a, a link in the description so you can check that out really really well done and also you have a second book that is coming out Eventually, I just want you to give, uh, you know, give the audience a teaser because we'll have you back on to, to shout that out too. Okay, perfect. Yeah, thanks, Kwame. Yeah, sales, sales hacks, um, work in progress, the best way to put it. Um, but uh, yeah, watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. All right, so today we're going to talk about negotiation and sales, difficult conversations, but focusing on this new hybrid work environment we, we are in. And so we see different companies, different cultures, different countries approaching the pandemic in different ways. And so leaders are going to start to have and are having difficult conversations about how, when, or if we are coming back to work and how we incorporate that into our negotiation and sales strategies. And so, uh, Simon, can you give us like just an overview of what it is that we're going to talk about? Just go a little bit more in depth and then we'll, we'll start to, to focus in. Okay. Yeah. I think when you and I were chatting, we were, uh, wanting to talk about something that might be, might be super relevant. And this, this is for anyone who's started to travel for work. Um, or even for, for personal reasons, but um, for conflict resolution and negotiations, um, you know, travel's really, or at least the option to travel for some people 
has uh, has has come back, right? We all thought it would be a couple of weeks, right? We'd be uh, grounded, so to speak, and then two years later, here we are. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's a difficult consideration. Before, um, you know, it was a relatively general dialogue, um, you know, amongst sales professionals that uh, you need to interact with clients, existing customers, or potential clients face-to-face whenever possible right over the phone just doesn't have that same personal feel um there's uh, there's chemical reactions you can get from interacting with people in person being able to give them line of sight um eye contact um you just can't do over over zoom and over the phone but things things have changed uh and with some of my clients and also with uh, you know with teams i interact with that debate is back on the table um you know do we benefit from being able to run to the air, airport last minute, jump on a plane, get in front of those potential clients or customers? Um, or are we at a disadvantage um, jumping the gun, so to speak, and trying to travel uh, too quickly? Is it gonna kind of slow things down? And what is what is the standard? Um, and uh, it's an interesting debate. I don't think there's a right answer for it, but I do think that um, some people are potentially making mistakes uh, and, and others are losing out on, on leverage, right? If you are willing to get on a plane and, and travel, right, and no one else is, right, potentially you close, close a deal faster or you, you beat a competitor to it. On the flip side, uh, not taking the client, their company, you know, their personal anxiety into consideration um, could have a, uh, a negative effect. Um, so I just think that's a dialogue that uh, that we haven't really had to have up until the last few weeks uh, that's super relevant for me and I don't think there is a right answer but I thought it was worth uh, worth kind of bringing to the table yeah and I, I think one of the most profound things that you said right there was at the end we we don't know what the right answer is we and it's really impossible for us to know but we still are in a position where we have to make decisions <laughs> and that's what makes it so tough and so with this episode i think what we can do is give the listeners some options some considerations to to keep in mind as they are making the decision uh, because every like we said every company culture and country is different in the way that they're approaching it and um so you filter it through your own experience and what your team um, is trying to accomplish and see what works best for you. But I think the main takeaway is we don't know what the right answer is in a lot of these cases because we don't have enough data to determine what is most uh, um, efficacious as it relates to how we have these conversations and team interactions that we the data, the jury is out. So we, we still have to make a decision. Um, one of the things, one of the angles that we chatted about that I want to explore early is something that I haven't heard other people talk about, and it is the role of bias in these conversations. Everybody's coming in with their preconceived notions. Everybody is coming in on different from different perspectives on where they stand with, regarding vaccination, social distancing, w- hybrid work environments, um, those type of things. Some people are a bit more conservative and want to play it safe. Some people are saying, hey, let me live my life. Let me do what I want to do. So there are wide extremes. And so I want to focus in on the the biases that people have and then the impact that our approach in these conversations about how we <laughs> how we go forward and work, how those biases could impact how people perceive you and interact with you. Yeah, I think that kind of comes back to the the personality or, or styles approach to 
uh, to a negotiation and making sure that you fully understand who you're dealing with. Um, and uh, so the one is, I think, the uh, be be mindful of your own potential biases, right, and how those may, I don't know, irritate or um, uh, cause conflict um, or, um, you know, the wrong emotion in, in who you're talking to. Um, but also be mindful either through assumptions or preparation and research or just pointed question in the potential biases that the person you're negotiating with might have, right? Because there are, especially in a sales process, right, there are benefits that you get from aligning what you say um, and, uh, you know, and how you appear and, and the negotiating style that you're using in alignment with who you're uh, negotiating with. Um, but it can also, um, you know, backfire, right? If, if you don't do it properly. Um, and I think from a, from an, uh, ethical standpoint as well, um, leading into the need to be empathetic to who you're negotiating with. Um, uh, I think you should always ask kind of questions to, uh, you know, to avoid, um, irritation, um, and, uh, you know, and avoid assumptions. So yeah, it really, really goes back to understanding your biases, and I think we've all got them, um, and we've got them around topics that are, um, you know, are, are new <laughs> in society, right? That we didn't even think that we had to worry about or be concerned about in the past, um, and things like social distancing, right? I mean, when have we ever really had to consider that? I think everyone knew that, you know, going and having a coffee meeting and you know, attempting to sit too close to someone would be awkward or sitting on the other side of the room wouldn't be appropriate. But before it was never really a, uh, something you had to think about in, in too much depth. Now, now it is a consideration. And then, you know, go back to the, to the, to the travel question. Um, those biases are, are really important. Um, if you make the wrong move or you misinterpret the bias, um, uh, you could almost be conceding in a negotiation and then, and then losing out on your leverage that you want to use for something that's important. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So there, there are a lot of gems of wisdom in here. So let me, let me break some of these down. I think there's one aspect when it comes to a bias, the role that bias plays. And I think it's important for us to recognize that we often focus on bias in others, but we also have to recognize bias in ourselves too. So we have to have self-awareness to recognize where we stand on this issue and how that is going to impact us emotionally and how that's going to skew our perception one way or another. Um, we also have to have empathy. So not just getting an idea of their bias and perceptions, but when I think about um, empathy, I think about trying your best to understand how they see, think, and feel about the situation. So what are they seeing? Like, what is their perception? Um, how do they think about it? And how do they feel about it? Thinking and feeling, two different things. So we need to be a little bit more curious to figure that out and not assume we know where somebody, um, where they stand on this issue based solely on their political persuasion or whatever it happens to be. The last thing is knowing your audience. Again, not making assumptions. We might say, oh, this team likes to do this. But with, it's not a monolith. We have individuals in there. Who are you talking to in particular? And so even something as simple as, let's say, Simon, you and I were having a conversation. I'm trying to sell you something. And I, I know personally that my closing rate is higher when I'm in person. Um, before I just say, hey, Simon, let's meet in person. I would say I could just simply say something. Hey, 
um, something like, how, how are you feeling about in-person meetings? Right? Just something simple like that. Get, get the response. If you say, oh, it's terrible. I would never do that. I'm not going to do that ever. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm probably not going to float that. <laughs> I'm probably <laughs> going to stay away from that. You know, yeah. and, and just taking that time to aim before shooting your shot can be helpful. And then the last part that you made, again, as negotiators, we have to keep this in mind. The idea of this as a concession because let's say again, you're somebody who doesn't really mind. You're you're more you're more willing to get out, have these meetings in person, things like that. But if you are talking to somebody and they feel like they need to, it feels like a concession because they don't want to do it, but they feel like they need to, and so they're giving up something, which is their comfort to you. You don't even perceive it as a concession, and then you're losing leverage because you could have used that concession elsewhere strategically in the negotiation so again simon you're bringing up things that people haven't addressed fully so can you go deeper on that idea of these conversations potentially being perceived as a concession does your company invest in professional development training if you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop all you need to do is go to our website fill out the workshop request form and then we'll set up a time to chat these workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. Yeah, I think the way that I look at this, if we, you know, go back in a um, time machine, hot tub, hot tub time machine, uh, you know, <laughs> three, five years, whatever, just pre-COVID before we even knew that this um, pandemic was uh, was coming or what the impact would be, and 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 consider the same situation that we're talking about now, but back in those times, pre pre-COVID times, um, and I'd liken it to. Um, to travel and, and, and to meetings, something as very simple as p picking the location, right? Um, you know, one school of thought would be, um, you know, get ahead, show that you're proactive, right? Choose a location. Um, there's also leverage you get from, um, you know, the power play of, of dropping an anchor, right? Or you, you want you to come to my, my office building, right? Kind of showing you're in control. Um, on the other side of that, when you when you do pick the location and you're the one that making the demands, 
someone is then coming to your location, they're having to travel or, um, you know, they may not want to go to that location. They may not be comfortable negotiating at a coffee shop because it's open, you know, in public. They may not want to have to travel further than they would do in any given day, you know, flight, train, or even, even walk um, because it, it's, it's inconvenient for them. Um, those are all concessions they're giving. Um, so when you're actually planning these things out, if you've got time, or even if you don't have a huge amount of time, um, they are important to think through. Um, and you know, sometimes meeting in—I mean, people meet in neutral locations, not um, not necessarily um, for for any other reason, but from the fact that it 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 kind of neutralizes concession, right? Um, but you can go even further um, and put put it into a positive light. Um, where you're asking them again, you're being empathetic, you're asking them where they want to go, what's convenient for them. And in today's environment, you're asking them exactly as you pointed out, Kwame, right? You're asking them, you know, what, what are their feelings about travel? Because if, if you haven't asked that question, they could either be, I mean, we'll look at two ends of the spectrum, right? One end of the spectrum is, I need to get out, right? I got cabin fever. I need to travel. Um, you know, my dogs, whatever, you know, drive me crazy. I need to, uh, I need to get on a plane. I need to just, you know, just feel alive, right? That's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is I've got anxiety. My family has anxiety, right? I've had a death or a severe illness connected to COVID, you know, vaccinations or otherwise. I see it as a major risk. You're asking me to do something that I'm not willing to do, but I'm not going to tell you um, because I don't want to see seem weak or, you know, there's other people in my company who don't think I should think that way and therefore I don't want to um, be seen as not, uh, not playing game. But personally, as the individual, um, you've just got me to concede, right? And I'm less likely to want to do business with you in this contract. Um, less likely to, uh, you know, to give um, as large concessions as I might have done otherwise. And without looking at this in a single transaction um, lens, I'm less likely subconsciously, potentially also consciously to want to do business with you in the future. And that's just all of those questions, right? Are going to throw everything up in the air. If you're sales, you never want to do anything that might um, reduce the likelihood to convert, right? So I think thinking about those things now in the current environment, um, uh, now that we're having to consider travel, um, I think is super important. Um, and it doesn't have to be a long debate. It's a very quick list of questions, like you said, right? That show that you're, um, you know, uh, you're showing empathy, um, and then uh, and then just to judge, adjust, sorry, your strategy. Um, you know, in alignment with what you hear or the assumptions that you're making. Um, and you're just more likely to get a better deal in the end. Absolutely. And a better relationship, most likely, as well. And again, we, we have to really reiterate the the true danger is that all of this could be happening subconsciously. Um, the other person may not realize the impact that it's having on them emotionally. They don't realize the impact it's having on their decision making. They don't know why, but you know, 
today I'm not I am not putting up with Simon's response his requests <laughs> I'm just in a no mood I'm saying no to everything right and it just might be a subconscious reaction to the fact like hey I, I gave up something that was important to me and that was my feeling of safety and security and as a result I'm going to make it more difficult for you because now I'm trying to reclaim my power in this conversation right and I think one of the things that's really critical in these conversations about COVID is that we have to be empathetic with the reality that people have legitimate fears about having the conversation. I don't want to be, you know, little C canceled, <laughs> right? Because most likely in your job, you're not going to be canceled or censored, hopefully not. Um, but there could be social ramifications for having the, the I'm using air quotes for the, the listeners who are audio only, wrong opinion on types of things, these types of things, right? And there could be those social consequences. And so people carry a legitimate fear when it comes to having these conversations about COVID, the pandemic and restrictions and vaccinations and all those things. So as you are having these conversations, looking at it from a strategic negotiation type of lens, one of the things we have to realize that is that even if we ask the right question, we might not get the real answer because of that fear. And so we need to do a good job of creating a lot of psychological safety so people feel comfortable even disclaiming and disclosing how they are feeling about the situation. And so, Simon, in, in your opinion, what is it that people can do to make their counterpart in the conversation feel safer sharing that potentially sensitive information? Yeah, I, I think circular questioning, um, and I just made that term up, it might might exist already, if not, we, uh, we just come, we just uh, coined it here, 50-50, Kwame Simon down the, down the middle. Um, <laughs> circular questioning, it, going around what you want to know um, without asking that, that question directly, I think is the best way in this situation, right? So what I mean by that is, um, like I might ask you, you know, just some background questions, right? Oh, you know, have you been anywhere recently? Um, uh, do you, you know, do you have family, um, outside of the U S um, and, and by asking those questions, you know, back to my guide of, this is, uh, this isn't the guideline I follow on a, on a podcast recording, but my guide of a kind of a 30%, um, talking 70% listening. Um, if you follow that guideline, um, and ask some open questions, nine, nine out of 10 times, you're going to find the answer that you need that that you can then use to determine whether you should be traveling or, or how you maybe want to plan the negotiation, um, you know, uh, physical or, or, or remote. Um, so if I asked you those questions and similar questions that we, you know, we have talked about in the past, right? Just ones about catching up and family and asking, um, caring questions around, um, you know, uh, how relatives are doing and everything else. You're going to find out if someone says, oh yeah, everyone's fine. I'm so glad this is over. Um, you know, just really excited to travel again. You know, you know they're going to be open to it. If they say, well, no, you know, kids have been sick recently. Um, you know, I am looking forward to travel, but I'm only doing it on a need by need basis. Or, you know, there's, there's multiple scenarios, but just by asking those open circular questions, right, you can find those answers out very quickly and, 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 and be that chameleon, right? Adapt um, uh, and, uh, and then plan plan accordingly because again some situations you could be their savior like there's a conference in four weeks right i've got a spare ticket it's not going to cost you anything do you want to do you want to meet there right i can even email your boss and and you know and tell them and put this kind of invite informally you know we could close the deal in person is that something that you look you know that you'd look forward to right that could be the best thing that they've been offered in two years 
uh, you know, and you're their hero by giving them a, you know, a, a an opportunity to get out, right? At no, um, you know, with no concession on their side and no no spend, right? Um, on the flip side, just even suggesting that um, could, you know, could put them in hot water. Um, it could make them anxious to your uh, to your point. So, so ask those circular questions. I think is the is the best way to do it. Um, I think that's great, and I think that term circular questions that's great. <laughs> I th- I think that's a really uh, a, a, an incredible term actually. So here here's what we'll do. We'll let the listeners in on this. So uh, we'll I'll write a Forbes article, and we will. We'll demo that term, circular questioning. We'll see how that goes. I'll I'll give you credit. I'll give you credit, man. This is great. And I think that's a great way to do it because it gives you an opportunity to gather information, but do it in a non-threatening way. And you didn't ask the direct question, but you picked up pieces of information, pieces of information that you could use to essentially triangulate what the truth is for them. Like, what is the reality for them without seeming too forceful or or seeming as though you're trying to impose your beliefs or views on other people, which people are sensitive to right now. I think that's that's brilliant. And I know we're we're coming up on time here, my friend, but before you go, when you think about these questions, uh, these these conversations um, and how people can be um, effective in them, we've talked, we've given them a lot of good tips. But before you go, what would you say is something that they should be mindful of not doing? What is something that they should avoid a mistake that they shouldn't make in these conversations? Oh wow! Um, yeah, I mean the, the the bias one is uh, is is super critical. Um, avoiding preparation, right? Whether you've got thirty seconds, and I've been invited into negotiations where there's you know cool starting in thirty seconds, uh, three hours, three weeks, three months, right? There's so much, especially in you know information online. Um, or talking to other people that are connected with who you're negotiating with that might know that individual better than you do or that company and doing some research on you know their financials and everything else. I just that preparation don't avoid not doing that. Um, right I think because you're negotiating you're having those debates over Zoom or over the phone right you know you may may be a little bit less likely to prepare right you're not going to iron your shirt as much as you may do, right? If you're in a hotel room and you're about to go and see someone in person, you're going to make sure you've got the right pants that match your, your shirt. Um, make sure you packed everything, right? There's just less prep that goes into um, these kind of negotiations and conversations when, um, when people are remote. And I think that's put us in a false sense of security, I think. It has for me, and I've tripped myself up in that area in the past. Um, so I, I think that's one thing is don't avoid the prep. Um, remember, have a post-it note, right? Just you can look at day in, day out that reminds you to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, and if this conversation is, is, is going to give any tips, I think um, make sure that you do prepare those questions that help you avoid the bias um, because that's a critical part of, uh, a part of prep that, uh, that no one should avoid. Oh, this is great. And and listeners, of course, you're going to be familiar with this. Um, we have free preparation guides on the website. So if you go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash guide, you can get access to all of the free guides, uh, negotiation, conflict resolution, how to negotiate for your next car, salary negotiation, how to negotiate as an introvert, all of those things for free on that link. So check that out. Uh, Simon, my friend, really appreciate this. This has been really helpful. 
Yeah, it was good to see you, Kwame. Thank you for the invite. Appreciate it. Congratulations! You've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard! What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.